Molly, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Welcome back to another edition of Presentation Thinking, aka the Storyteller Study Club, aka Pigeon Ain't Easy, aka Molly. We're going on a voyage and we're going to return as changed people. What There's do you no think? There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Yeah, that sounds fun. Let's go. All cool. right. I'm a hero looking for a uh, reckless or otherwise open to a new experience in the opening act of my life. Yeah, you could use a little <laughs> lightness. Yeah, to totally. Come from your darkness. Molly, we are in part four, the fourth four. plot of seven, as we dissect the seven basic plots, why we tell stories from mm-hmm. Christopher Booker in our latest presentation book club series of the pod. And this one's pretty fun. And so what were the first three that we've, we've picked apart and what are we talking about today? Yes, exactly. For If you're just jumping in to number four of the seven basic plot points, first of all, you must not like to do things in synchronized order, which I totally relate to. And you might have been intrigued by the Voyage and Return plot title. But first we did Overcoming the Monster, then we did Rags to Riches, then we just did The Quest, number three, and now we're on Voyage and Return. And this is by this guy, Christopher Booker, who basically posited that all stories of all time could fit within one of these seven basic plots, these kind of shapes and stories. And we have loved talking about shapes and stories within presentations. So we thought this was a very appropriate thing to dive into on Presentation Thinking, the podcast. It is pretty cool. I liked this one. And what's challenging about this book and reading like one chapter at a time and talking about it, bundle. Also, Every movie that you'll ever watch from here on out or you know, <laughs> book that you've read, you're like, hmm, what was that one? And then now we still have three to go. And I start to wonder, I'm like, hmm, Back to the Future, Matrix. I'm like, was that this? No, it might be this. Or maybe it's this, this other one that we haven't you know, dug into yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what are some of the Voyage and Return examples, at least that Booker gives, maybe we'll start with those ones that he uses totally. throughout the chapter. Yeah, I know. Because Mikey was like all day throwing these Pixar movies at me that I hadn't yeah. even heard of. So this is true dad form. There's like so many Pixar movies I'm behind on. But yeah, the Booker examples are some classics that'll easily come to mind for folks, which is, you know, Alice in Wonderland. She goes beyond the looking glass, right? And comes back to her world. Uh, Wizard of Oz is definitely a voyage and return plot. Uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Lord of the Flies, some of these classics where people get cast away on an island, you know, the the time traveler tropes fall here. So I do think Back to the Future could be one. Um, And I started to think of some more like modern rom-com examples that I'll save for later. But those are some of the, oh, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. That's definitely Voyage and Return. Peter Pan. And then you can get into like the Goldilocks, Tale of Peter Rabbit, those Mm -hmm. like really childhood classics, even our Voyage and Return. Because a lot of times, mm -hmm. yeah. There's a lesson to be learned with Voyage and Return. So I think ah. there's a reason it's connected to these children's stories sometimes. Yeah, you're right. And mm-hmm. and, and um, it seems anything where there's a, a crash at the beginning, <laughs> like a, those desert islands uh, type books, Robinson Crusoe is an example that Booker cites throughout the chapter as more or less similar 
there, there are some parallels to the quest structure. You're like, well, you know, because yeah. this hero suddenly is in this new realm, and yeah, it seems they have to overcome something. Mm-hmm. But I think the way that they arrive to their mission, if you will, or to this new world, seems a little bit different than the quest storyline, where if you haven't listened to that episode, you probably know it anyway, but basically mm-hmm. it's like the hero of the story is a good person, there's a bad evil thing out there, or there's this, and something has changed, and they need to find this one thing, they have to solve this mission, and they will stop at nothing to get to their mission to make the world right again, basically, mm-hmm. right? There's like a sense of urgency. It's like, you got to do this or else, you know? And it might not right. be death, but it's like, it's a big deal for sure. So they're super intentionally signing up for this mission and taking it on. Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah. uh, I guess, you know, let's get into this whole voyage and return stuff. If you think of right. Alice in Wonderland or even Wizard of Oz, they kind of just fall into, you know, quite literally, like fall into this new world that they are new, now suddenly in. And maybe they started out a little bit restless mm-hmm. or kind of caught up, fed up with the current world that they were living in. Like, did mm-hmm. they just have an argument with their parents? Are they bored at home? You know, kind of mm-hmm. griping about about their day-to-day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like sort of this like boredom or curiosity that the hero or main character is looking beyond the world that they're currently in and they're definitely open to a new experience whether it's them or like a group of group of folks as well and it's more of this you said it really well with the quest it's more of this ambling quality where they kind of find themselves into this new world or an opportunity presents itself and they take it it's not necessarily you're called to carry the ring to destroy it to save middle earth it's not this beckoning urgency right so it's it starts it starts very kind of chill you're like okay this is the world not much is happening but this hero is kind of dissatisfied or maybe something's wrong with the main character too whereas i think with the quest there's an immediate goodness to the hero that might not be true with voyage and return because Mm -hmm. as we'll see that the hero usually learns something in their strange new world so it begins with the shape and the setup Act one, we see a hero who is, yeah, bored, curious, reckless, or otherwise open to a new experience. And what drives them is that the hero is suddenly transported into a strange new world. And I thought it was interesting. Booker starts to categorize this with the childhood things because often this strange new world is just a magical realm just beyond the looking glass, just close to home, right? The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is just through the wardrobe. So they might not have looked hard enough yet, or they haven't explored just beyond the fence line or something like that. So there's this air of mystery just beyond where they currently are, or maybe it is where they currently are, and they venture out into a new realm of society or something. So it's it's close. Even though they're in a faraway land, it can often be very close as well. That's not necessarily true with the castaway stories, but certainly with the Alice in Wonderland, mm-hmm. a lot of times it's in a dream state, mm-hmm. you know, these kind of weird phenomenons where the whole, you know, with Wizard of Oz, it's just a dream, right? And she wakes up. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it can be it can be physical, but it also can just be this kind of weird, trippy um, thing that is talking flowers and a talking cat and a queen of hearts, <laughs> that, you know, yeah. that's categorized as a kid's book and ends up being really trippy. And then, it, yeah, so if you're a little bit bored, you know, with your, your humdrum life and you fall into this new dream stage, you will initially be basically fascinated by it, right? These 
that's there's an an initial excitement that we see from these heroes once they find this new world and they're mm-hmm. like what the heck you know um, everything's big or small and there's color you know I came from a place with straight up black and white. Yeah. This is cool. Totally. Usually yeah, there's a huge yeah. difference. And maybe you're meeting some friends along the way already, similar to the quest. You know, you've mm-hmm. like you might find some companions, you know, maybe mm-hmm. a tin man or a scarecrow and and you're kind of actually really happy to be there at, at first, right? Mm-hmm. At first. And then like with all bookers as we talked, there's the expansion and compression, right? Sure. And that is just the ups and downs, right, of the of the battle. So even though you're meeting these people and you're having these cool new experiences, it's also a little bit confusing. And there's a there starts to like a shadow starts to emerge in this place where there ultimately will be a threat. And with this frustration and that you can't necessarily have the same things from your previous world or they're not as comfortable or things are becoming difficult ultimately leads to leads to a nightmare scenario mm-hmm. where there's a serious threat to the hero's survival. And then, of course, as with the quest and with many other plots, there's a thrilling escape and yeah. return to the original world. Right. So, okay, if we're talking about like these magical close to home places, what are some examples like, you know, the other example of this is there's a land far, far away beyond the confines of the known or mm-hmm. civilized world, as Booker says. And that's like, yeah, the Castaway, Lord of the Flies, Robinson Crusoe. He says that sparked like a whole slew of copycat writers and, and books mm-hmm. for that time when Robinson Crusoe was published, I think in the 20s or 30s. Mm-hmm. And there was even a word in German that was like a Carusoism or something, uh, where it was just that kind of castaway. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and all of these, a lot of these heroes, I want to point out, have like, he uses the word feckless, as Mikey was just yeah. uh, talking about, which kind of has a reckless quality, right? Because the hero's curious. And with Lord of the Flies, there's a lot of different characters that don't necessarily get along, that are just thrown together and then forced to figure out this new world together. So I think that's a really important piece of the Voyage and Return plot device is that the hero isn't necessarily complete yet without this journey. And like they might not get along either. They haven't learned lessons. I'll read one passage that mm-hmm. I thought I wanted to remember so we can put it on our, our quote wall. But um, mm-hmm. it, it is a key differentiator from the quest. What we thus see in all these characters is that they have begun as selfish, not really recognizing anything in the world outside themselves. In this state, they exhibit very much the same blind egocentricity, which in earlier plots we saw characterizing those dark figures who were opposed to the hero or heroine. Here it is the hero himself who is initially presented as far from light. And it is precisely this which plunges him into the adventure which threatens to destroy him. But in Mm -hmm. the end, he is saved because his eyes have been opened and he has gone through a fundamental change of heart. Thus, Ah. you know, he's made the switch from dark to light. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's she, maybe it's they, you know. This is an older book. Um, But it's pretty cool. (laughs) And it is like, it is a key difference uh, that we... The first of these four plots that we've really studied where it's actually like, huh, there's -hmm. some internal conflict going on and they must take this voyage to actually open their eyes up and go from ignorance to knowledge and better, Mm -hmm. you know, like kind of come back home and say, hey, actually, Mm -hmm. there is no place like home. This place is kind of cool and I'm going to, you know, enjoy it. And the quote Booker has about that memory of like, yeah, there is no place like home and that realization we know it, you love it, usually comes with some kind of activation of a memory or a flashback where you're like, actually, I was taking everything for granted or my parents weren't so bad, I shouldn't have ran away. And he says, you know, such remembrance of times past prompted by the activation of a memory or conveyed through some kind of flashback is not unfamiliar as the framework for a voyage and return story. 
I, we've all seen a solid montage of like the original friends that used to surround this person or something like that. And then it, maybe a sense of regret or realization, right? Where you're like, yeah. I'll never take that for granted again, uh-huh. right? Some, I think, story that kind of comes to mind that maybe has an overlap with rags to riches here is when someone maybe is getting too greedy and like, or becomes mm-hmm. famous, right? And is like forgetting about the, the past life that they had or leaves maybe their OGs behind. <laughs> mm-hmm. And oh. that is a great example of what, uh, Booker describes as the voyage, the social voyage in return when the central figure enters into an unfamiliar social milieu. And that reminded me of pretty much all Disney Channel movies where the nerdy girl becomes popular <laughs> or Mean Girls or Devil Wears Prada in particular, where the person is overcome by this new world in which they have new access to things and people. And that's a voyage into this new social place. And if they don't remember who they once were, you know, then there's no lesson learned when they become, you know, come back to it, you know, maybe uh-huh. change, maybe with better clothes or something like that. But <laughs> Oh, snap. Molly, is uh, Christmas Carol a voyage in return? I mean, that's such an old oh, book. I don't know why he yeah. would not have cited that, Booker. That is, um, yeah. Yeah, because perfect... I was thinking of, like, there's this Nick Cage movie with Taya Leone, The Family Man, which is uh, really good, and also a, a movie called, like, Mr. Destiny. Basically, yeah, if you switch lives, you know, it, how does it play out? Generally, then you're going to start to, like, oh, man, I was blind, you know? Mm-hmm. Was, or that movie Click with Adam Sandler. I imagine mm-hmm. it's something like that. It's like... Click. You oh my lose gosh. sight of what's in front of you, right? Totally, and, yeah. yeah. It was all to... it was about my family all along, you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And or like Breaking Bad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That was like he voyages into this whole new world, which was like, you know, that guy aren't they they live in New Mexico and it's like right around them the whole time, this right. whole drug cartel. And that is a case huh. for, of course, the dark version of um, a dark mode of Voyage and Return. There's a dark mode to each of these plots, which is where it doesn't end well. There's not a happy ending. And this is which in which the hero remains trapped in that world, never coming back at all. Maybe no lessons learned. And that is something where, yeah, the, well, we said Moby Dick for the quest, right? Where he's after this quest with such like, force and like strangulation of of the prize that he wants that he's not doing it with good intentions and he ultimately gets consumed driven mad by that kind of thing um i think it's time shouldn't we probably you know we talked about some classic examples but maybe there's a few pixar examples we can lean on here yeah yeah Yeah. what did what did you have (laughs) okay so i've got two that i think fit pretty well with a few overlaps but obviously one of the all-time faves is toy story My dad's name is Woody. You know, I grew up watching it all the time being like, I have a special connection to this. I am Andy (laughs) with the toys. And Toy Story is a great voyage in return because Woody and Buzz are both the heroes, but they don't get along quite yet because, of course, Woody's jealous that Buzz is Andy's new favorite toy. And Woody's thrown into a kind of a strange new world in that he's no longer the favorite toy. Buzz is in this strange new toy world in which he still thinks he's a toy. And then both of them, after being left behind at Pizza Planet... We all remember. Then they get stuck in Sid's place. Psychotic, psycho kid Sid, who has all the misfit toys. And they have to figure out how to escape that together. So that's the, I think that's a, another plot device is this kind of entrapment in a, to a strange new world where the characters have to survive. Buzz, of course, discovers he's really not a toy. And then, you know, Sid has plans to blow them up. So they have to escape, thrilling escape, 
escaping from uh, Scud, the dog, whose name I did not remember until Googling that today. And, you know, Arcee's batteries run out, but then ultimately Buzz's jetpack saves them and they go into the moving van because they can't miss moving or not. They go in through the sunroof of the car and land safely right next to Andy. And, um, yeah, the, that's like a beautiful, like nightmare stage. Like they didn't want to be outside the home anyway. Buzz didn't need to, like, didn't need to leave the home that he, like, you know, he's like, I'm not, I don't belong here. I'm not a toy, whatever. And it's the lesson learned for both of them that they can actually just be two favorite toys together. <laughs> yeah, it was. And it was a battle of totally. ego for both yeah, of them Yeah, exactly. first, right? Um, and then, of course, this is another really good one and also a really sad one. If you've uh, never seen it, just beware. But Up is an excellent voyage and return in which our hero is Carl, the old man, even though he's cranky. By the time we kind of meet him a couple minutes in, because he's undergone some serious trauma, losing his wife and gotten some serious challenges, he's finally ready for an adventure that was supposed to happen with his wife, um, Ellie. And, of course, venturing into the new world, Russell, the Boy Scout, has accidentally tagged along, like, just being attached to his house. And so that's an immediate challenge for this new world in which they enter Paradise Falls and they encounter the bird that doesn't fly, that Russell names Kevin, Doug, the robot dog, golden retriever guy. And this is a great example of he's idolized this uh, adventurer, Charles Munst, for his whole life, who's meant to be a hero, but he's fallen into madness, pursuing the bird, Kevin. So that's kind of like a quest gone wrong in of itself, you know. And then they realize they're in danger because Munz thinks they're a threat going after this bird and befriending this bird. And, of course, Russell's befriended him. And as we know, Carl has, of course, gained a soft spot for Russell, the cute little Boy Scout. And they're ultimately in this nightmare escape, like, Carl's forced to let his house go down, like, down into the abyss, essentially, which is, a like, a perfect symbolic act of letting go of Ellie, his past wife, and letting that dream go to rest. He says, like, it's just a house, you know. And he ends up returning to the previous world that he had wanted to leave. But he has a new sense of belonging as this kind of, you know, ad hoc grandpa for Russell. And, yeah, he's gotten – he's learned a lesson. And then the in the most beautiful, like, bow tied at the end of this, the house ends up being right by Paradise Falls where he always pictured it being, whether he knows that or not. So that's a, that's a perfect voyage in return in which he comes back having learned a lesson and maybe encountered some things that like, even though were previously a dream turned out to have a nightmarish quality to them. The queen of hearts counting off with her heads. It was kind of like that, the Charles Muntz adventurer guy. So I love that one. And it's such a good, like uh, such a tearjerker always. (laughs) What's his face? Uh, We did a, we talked about why Pixar movies make us cry in episode 13 or 14, if you want to go back and look at that. And there's a great TED Talk um, about the shape of those stories in particular. Yeah, that's right. And then my mind, for some reason, the whole, when I was reading this chapter, went to this whole genre that actually I'm realizing they have a lot in common. Dances with Wolves, uh, The Last Samurai, uh, Seven Years in Tibet, even this show on Netflix, it was pretty good, called Marco Polo. But it's like the hero... Uh, often has some dark past, like some regrets, some like, dang, is this person even a good person? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, think of like Last Samurai. And I think uh, Kevin Costner in Dances with Wolves, they were like known for like basically being mercenaries, like going out and like like wiping out, you know, Native Americans or whatever. Yeah, kind of soulless. Yeah, soulless. That's a good way to put it. And then 
they stumble into this world where you know Tom Cruise ends up in this like this village in Japan. Costner gets embraced. You know he he kind of yeah. winds up in this on this. They tribe. might fall in love with someone. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, wait a second, like they have it kind of right, and my eyes are starting to open. And then of course the the darkness frustration comes in and is actually something that they represented right and and now they're starting to see this other side as being mm-hmm. lighter and something that they want to stand up for and help defend seven years in tibet similar like I, I think brad pitt plays this austrian climber who's just super self-centered all about ego trying to get this record and you think it's gonna be a quest movie about overcoming this mountain but it turns out to be you know they stumble into world war ii uh, ridden I guess, like parts of China and North India, stuff like that, and they have to escape. And they they arrive at, in uh, Tibet and are kind of welcomed by this Buddhist culture. Uh, and one of the one of the hero's companions is kind of falls in love. And Brad Pitt, you know, he's just kind of a angry dude the whole time. And I, th- you know, gotta be frank, I didn't watch. I, I revisited the first half, and I'm like, I think I know where this goes. You know, he's gonna yeah. he's gonna change for the better. Yeah, so that's I cool. Hope so. And then, yeah. the, as far as the Pixar one, um, Coco really came to my mind as just checking a lot of the uh, the list here of the anticipation stage. You know, uh, this kid Miguel, his family disallows any music, and this kid has it in his genes. He's like, I gotta play guitar, and so he has to like sneak into his attic where he has this shrine of this famous musician in Mexico, and he really looks up to this dude. And but he has to sneak it, and he gets in trouble. So he's kind of betraying his family. His his grandma's wishes of no music in the household because he wants to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in pursuit of kind of going behind their back again, falls into this dream state, which is actually the underworld. And uh, a whole lot, you know, ensues. But at first it's like really magical and kind of cool. But then, um, yeah. It's got like a Dio de los Muertos thing, Oh, dude, thing, and it's right? so yeah. colorful That's, and gorgeous. So, yeah, yeah I yeah. need to see that one. It's almost frustrating and nightmarish the whole time, though. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean. But but also, you know, ups and downs and throughout. And um, ultimately, there's some happiness restored. And, and I think just people understanding each other a little more toward the end there, uh, once once they go through the thick of it. That also makes me, you did a really good job in not saying any spoilers. So hopefully I know, people have seen Toy Story and up there. But that made me think of Tim Burton stuff, right? With Nightmare Before Christmas and Corpse Bride and how the person just kind of falls into this underworld or world that might be nearby. Mm-hmm. That's like just adjacent to her theirs. It's like the mm-hmm. holiday world right beside them, and that's what they need to like bring some newness or bring some like um, new sense of satisfaction and fulfillment to their life. And like talking about the seven years in Tibet kind of stories, where yeah, maybe it kind of makes me think of like womanizer stories too, like the rom coms where this guy's just like dating a bunch of people until. He meets the uh, right one or something, kind of like the Hitch movie quality. <laughs> we're plugging Will Smith because we're trying to get to work with him. But there is a quote where Booker says, you know, there are versions of the Voyage and Return story where the hero's transformation, as it progressively unfolds, becomes the real underlying theme of the whole story. Like, it's not just about the encounters of the challenges. It's obviously, like, at its core, it's about this person's transformation that they ha- have with the Voyage and Return. Yeah. And... Sometimes it's, yeah, they just wake up from the dream and they're like, oh, that was weird, whatever. Right. But <laughs> if it was just a dream. Yeah, I think he, Booker says, like, sometimes that's the ending. It's like, hey, real, real creative. But it's like, mm-hmm. hey, they just wake up and it was a dream. But it's funny because the whole thing, basically, I think you know if you're in a, v, a voyage in return. I almost called it VNR. That's how pro we are. Yeah. yeah. You're in a VNR if it seems like at any point you could just be like, 
virtual And then reality. the hero wakes up from a dream, right? Yeah. And I think that might be a tell that you're in a, a voyage in return kind of plot. Hey, I mean, I don't, maybe it's not a coincidence that virtual reality VR mm. is Voyage and Return, you know? You yeah, know I mean? totes. Uh, what about Big Fish? I was just, that might be, that's also Tim Burton, I guess. And Ewan McGregor ambles out from his world, just mm-hmm. like looking for some adventure, essentially, and then encounters tons of strange new worlds, lots of different characters. Whether or not they're exaggerated is up for interpretation from the stories. And then, you know, ultimately... Return always returns from those stories to his like ultimate like world um, mm-hmm. love of his wife. What's her name? But that's one of my uh, one of my favorite it's movies. Um, yeah, I think it's one of those. It's one of those that I think a lot of favorites easily fall into because we're cheering for the hero, even though they might be they might have a flaw or there's no, a mm-hmm. lackingness of to them. There's lack of wholeness, but we're cheering for them and we want them to ultimately come back and understand that like. Their, their life is okay or like, you know, it's all like it, there's kind of some morality to it too, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like your family, your your love, your authenticity, whatever it is, like is fine without your gap of, <laughs> yeah, whether it's yeah. assholery or just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or just like lack of understanding something. That is a really good point to bring up to say, okay, what the heck does this, how does this relate to a, a business storyteller executives, leaders, what kind of presentations could maybe consider a Voyage and Return kind of plot line or kind of theme? I was thinking about this because I think there's, since it's like one of the most beloved story arcs, at least in my opinion, but I definitely think something that immediately comes to mind is the motivational speaker. We were talking about this where someone has already overcome something and come back to report on it, you know? And this could be someone that's like, it could whether it's like overcome a hard time or like mm-hmm. addiction or trauma or whatever it is, and has come back to be like, I had to deal with this and I live this. And I'm here to tell you like X, Y, Z, this is what I've learned. And this is the, these are the steps I took to get to this point. This is how I, this is how I made it happen. They have like something to report back on. And those are inspiring stories, right? Because they've already gone through their like hero's journey, if you will. And they're like willing to share it and, you know, potentially have people like part, like take the same steps. So the motivational speaker in a presentation sense is definitely a voyage in return. Yeah. hundred percent with you. I think it's like, Hashtag vulnerable. You know, you got to have it. Yeah. You got to show something like, hey, I really screwed up. I was trying to chase this white rabbit and I got kind of carried away and blah, blah, blah. I, here I am to tell you, don't do what I did because I learned a lot when I did that. Mm-hmm. The other one maybe is like a, maybe like a founder origin story, like a genesis of how a, maybe how a company even got started. I think this happens a lot. It's like we didn't see ourselves going into X industry. And we, at first, we thought it was pretty cool. And then we realized, like, gosh, there's this kind of gnarly option out there that everyone uses. And we think that it's not actually good for, for people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> actually, the story of one of my um, business idols, mentors, uh, this guy Chris, kind of stumbled into owning a, an organic, like, sort of, like, grass-fed farm. He wanted to look into how to distribute his, his meat to more people in a local area mm-hmm. before there was really like Uber Eats or anything like that. So he started a, a delivery first kitchen called Cluster Truck. And what they realized in this delivery food delivery space is the third party middlemen 
like food delivery services that we think are so convenient and great actually are awful for the restaurants. They're horrible for small restaurateurs uh, because they, they own all the data. They don't, you know, they own the, the experience and the restaurant is really just doing it to kind of stay relevant, keep, get a few orders in. But anyway, like kind of reminds me of how Chris Baggett like and Cluster Truck stumbled into this space, realized, okay, there's something here, but also it's kind of broken. And okay, now can we fix it based mm-hmm. off what we've learned? Our eyes are now open and we want to help bring this back to people and b- sort of like share this awareness too of what we've learned. Yeah, absolutely. There's that frustration that you encounter with something in this like world and you want to be able to come back and like share it with people with what you've learned. And I'm also thinking of like, it was something we didn't talk about. A third and final form that the voyage return journey can take form with is when someone's actually transformed into something physically, like into the frog, like princess and the frog or into a donkey midsummer night's dream, or even switching bodies with someone like a freaky Friday situation. And I'm thinking of in this particular example that you're sharing, oftentimes founders or someone that's trying to create a business that wants to do something better, they've often been the person that they disagree now disagree with. And they're like, no, this didn't work properly. Like I worked as like, maybe it was like this hyper corporate thing or whatever it was. It just wasn't working. And I can figure out a way to do it better. And now I'm learning, right? So you're like, I did this for X number of years. Oh my and gosh. This is, yeah. I can't, I had to come, I had to get out of there in a thrilling escape and <laughs> share, you know, and like, and get, and become a different person, right? Because, but you wouldn't necessarily take that journey if you hadn't been that person yourself in the first place. So I'm thinking that this voyage in return can also be like the actual transformation of physical transformation of like career shifting. Yeah. Too. Oh my God. It's like the text. That's like the playbook for anyone who wants to go into like to become a guru, like a, co- like a business coach, you know, they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, who did, uh, who, or like every blogger, you know, they're like, mm-hmm. I was working my nine to five and it sucked, you know? Yeah. And then now I my life's great. And, yeah, yeah. I sold everything and now I live in this van, right? Like, it's, you know, <laughs> you have to actually like practice it before you can leave it, you know? And that's, yeah. and that's, I think the penultimate thing of a voyage return is like, you're there to learn something on your quest and that's like what we're all that's yeah. what we're all doing you know molly we should make a thrilling escape to the spice cabinet all right that was a little uh a little fifle goes west like Ta-da! <laughs> um right, the rescuers people. and if you're new to presentation thinking Molly and I, because we don't probably speak in front of a lot of people, we've dreamed of, gosh, if we could walk out, what, you know, the walkout music when you walk up to the stage and you get to pick any song that you want to really get people going with. Mm -hmm. Um, We just kind of daydream about what, what song we'd walk out to if we were going to go give a big speech about a voyage and return kind of story. Yeah, exactly. We also like pick out songs for whatever niche topic it is we're talking about. So for a voyage and return song, I haven't thought too much about this, but the first thing that came to mind is um, Carry On My Wayward Son by uh, Kansas. (laughs) It's good. You know, it's super epic and like... uh, it has an awesome introduction where, like, you you would feel really good walking out to that and be like, "Here we go into the strange new world." Yeah, thank you, Will, for yeah, playing Kansas, that. Kansas, you know. Uh, In Kansas, white, yeah, Wizard of Oz. Oz nod. There you go. And it says, you know, there'll be peace when you are done. Don't you cry no more. 
Isn't that the lyric? So I feel like, you know, there's a there's a sense of peace and balance that's restored, you know, to the to the person. You really didn't think about this ahead of time? That no, I didn't. I just thought of that. Improv. But I think it fits yeah. pretty well. I'm gonna stick that's my answer for the spice okay. cabinet. What cool. about you? I had started with one kind of obscure one. I don't think you'll even know this. Circles by Soul Coughing. Okay, now you'll, that you'll, you, it's kind of a it's a catchy intro, but you know, like the circle, the boomerang to um, to the return. It is kind of a big circle, a lot of these stories. And thank you, obscure '90s reference. Oh, also, okay. Um, what about Fleetwood Mac Dreams? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Totally. I like that a lot. Um, to add to your '90s niche references, what about? Do you remember Dispatch? Oh yeah. What about the general? Oh man. It's a story about the general like getting his people ready for a fight and then ultimately like they don't go. He's like, I've seen, you know, he's like, I've seen everybody and like, you know, everybody just go home because it, like this war isn't worth it kind of thing. Yeah. Very we, anti. I feel like we need to war. be in a drum circle. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Dreams by Fleetwood is a is a much more it's a better song than what about, <laughs> what about this, Molly? Jefferson Airplane, White Rabbit. Okay, I don't can't. You'll know it. There's okay. Yeah. Sweet. Can't wait to jam to that. Wonderful. Yeah. Go and is there. Gallus. Yeah. You know. Is there any, like, I'm trying to think of a favorite, maybe motivational uh, Voyage and Return speaker that I've, that I've heard myself, right? Like, I feel like everyone, like Tony Robbins, I don't know. Any? I mean, yeah, like maybe, who just, who just freaking played her last match? Sorry. Oh, Serena? Trying to blank. Yeah, I was going to say Serena, her (laughs) post-match, like for her last match of her career was so inspiring and she's like done it, you know, she's voyaged and she's returning to like retirement. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I, so I think that's a, that's a good one, but I think ultimately any inspiring present presentation that you've seen has an element of voyage and return to it. Yeah, and in, it's, in a weird way, it's almost like a comeback story of the hero coming from uncool to, or you know, like jerkish and mm-hmm. self-centered to a little bit more aware of their mm-hmm. world and, and maybe appreciative of something. Maybe which, a little bit more of an expert as well. Yeah, that's true. They know more. They've got some wisdom. More confident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and they're here to share it with you. So yeah. that's a quintessential element as well. I like it. This is my favorite one so far. That is your favorite? That's cool. I'm with you. That was cool. I like a comeback story. So I did like Rags to Riches. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, VNR is a pretty cool one. And next time, what are we talking about? Comedy and and then tragedy? Comedy. Which is funny because I feel like a lot of these embody elements of comedy anyway. So I'd be curious to see kind of how comedy sits as its own category, which I'm very intrigued about, Booker. So... About to, re- about to dive into this chapter. If you're reading along, it's about number, let's see, page number 107 in this giant-ass book. Yeah. So it's going to be, you said, comedy, tragedy, and then rebirth is going to confuse me. Like, hopefully, we'll find out what the difference between voyage and return and rebirth is. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's mm-hmm. going to be super easy to follow. There's a lot of overlap, you know? I think that's the thing. It's like these Venn diagrams. Yeah. 
have some touching, you know, and I'd be curious to read. He has a whole chapter on Lord of the Rings and the nuanced story structures that oh. that falls into. So I'd be really curious to see that. Did you start and that Galadriel show? No, uh, no. About is it about Galadriel? Like pretty much the elven it's called, like, queen. The Rings of Power. Oh, the Rings of Power. No, tiny. I have not, but I've heard it's really good. You know, I gotta, I gotta wait for a, a dark winter to marathon those kind of things, <laughs> <laughs> and then I can get through it. But um, yeah, let's let's have a uh, let's have some Fleetwood Mac play us out into the Thank dreamscape. Thank you, bitch people. Keep on pitching. We'll see you next time at Presentation Book Club. Bye. <laughs>